Hello and welcome. This is a podcast of Ukraine World. Ukraine World is an initiative aimed at explaining the developments in Ukraine to the international audiences. And today we are going to talk about economy and financial issues. We are talking about Serhii Fursa, who is expert at Dragon Capital, a leading Ukrainian group of companies in the field of investment and finances. Dragon Capital is also a company that has a social political position because it owns NVUA, uh, one of the leading Ukrainian media. Mr. Fursa is very very famous and known commentator of these economic and financial issues. My name, my name is Volodymyr Yermolko. Serhii, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Hello. It's a pleasure. Uh, my first question, you are commenting very much the IMF issue because uh, when Zelensky became president, there was a lot of talk about the continuation of the program with IMF. Uh, what do you think? Why IMF is so important for Ukrainian economy? Um, because uh, macroeconomic stability that we reached for the last three years is based on IMF program. Currently, investors and other creditors are not ready to trust Ukraine without IMF. So IMF is just a signal that Ukraine is okay and you can lend money to this country. Because as you know, every country has debts and every country should refinance its debts. But the problem of Ukraine is that we can't refinance its debt without IMF support, currently, at the current level. I think... Up to one or two years, it would be possible. But currently, it's impossible. And investors wait for the signals from IMF. But Ukrainian populists, like I remember Rabinovich or now Kolomoisky, are saying that, look, we don't need this international support. We don't need go and asking for international money. We should pay everything by ourselves. What do you reply to them? We can't do it uh, because uh, you wouldn't find any country all over the world who paid debts without uh, new debts. So it's just, it's okay. The okay question is your debt burden. And uh, under IMF umbrella for the last three years, debt burden for Ukraine, debt level of ratio of debt to GDP declined from 80% to 60%, almost 59% for it was last number. So we see that our debt burden is going down and we need just to ref- have ability to refinance the debt. So populists could tell you whatever they want. Yes, it's their job yeah. to tell some bullshit. Uh, but it's impossible for Ukraine to refinance its debts without IMF support, without going to, for, uh, to external markets to lend some money. And currently, and the situation is uh, continuous for the last five years, we can't lend money without IMF support. But look, 60% of GDP is not that much because we know countries, for example, I think Italy has over 100%, even the United States. So what's wrong with the 60% of GDP? Uh, nothing wrong with 60% of GDP, uh, but uh, <laughs> something wrong with the Ukrainian image. Because if you look now at macro picture of Ukraine, it's much better than peers of Ukraine that are always comparable on external markets. Some countries from sub-Saharan Africa, for instance. Uh, but investors do not trust Ukraine and they need IMF as a signal that you can trust to this government, to this country. That's all. And what another point that Italy pays for these debts very low uh persons uh, for us it's also interest rates, interest are, very rates are very low for ukraine market interest rates are very high uh, if you look at the market it's like nine or ten percent now so when you take care about your debt for you it's very important this level uh, and for ability to continue to represent itself as a 
solvent and reliable borrower, you take care not about the level of your debt because it's always refinancing. You care about uh, how much you pay for interest. And for Ukraine, it's a... Just a huge compared to country you named like Italy. Even when we're talking about uh, Italy as a one hundred percent GDP, but it's part of the European Union and it pays like two percent per year. It's nothing compared to Ukrainian nine or ten. And uh, well, uh, the problem is also you mentioned it that the investors don't trust. So do you think that investors don't trust because of corruption, because of unreformed judicial system, or because of war? Uh, when we're talking about direct investors, uh, all lists you named are very important. First of all, ju- judgment system. But when we're talking about investors on the foreign markets who buy in bonds, they don't care about such things, really. They care about credit rating, and they care about how often Ukraine goes to default. And for the last 20 years, we got default in 1998 after financial crisis, and we got restructuring uh, five years ago. So Ukrainian story are not very convincing for you investors to to be trusted. That's why. And another very important question: ratings, yes, and a lot of informational mess in lock in press outside of Ukraine. If you Uh, to take care what Bloomberg points, what Reuters, what Financial Times. It always some negative news. And we see a lot of situations when people just do not mention some positive inflows of news, but care about only negative stories. So Ukraine is just negative stories. That's why investors do not trust it and uh, care about. And you see, without IMF, it would be like a country who could default it. So for this why uh, it's very important for investors. Let's talk about default because it's a high topic uh, today in Ukraine. Mr. Kolomoisky, who is an oligarch, and um, many say that he is behind, he's one of the backers of Mr. Zelensky, who is Ukraine's new president, said a few times, recently he said in an interview to Financial Times, but I remember he said it many times before to Ukrainian media, that default is a good thing and Ukraine should announce default and doesn't need IMF. Why is he doing that? Uh, for Kolomoisky, is usual situation for his business, what he used to say that Uh, people who pay for their debts are very stupid. So it's his style of life. But on the and other... he, he led some of his companies, like airlines companies, so in football clubs, to bankruptcy, right? Yeah, he cares about cash flows, but not the capitalization. When we're talking about uh, oligarchies in Ukraine, some of them, yes, they're all based on 90s, uh, and we don't know, want to know how they take their first million or even billion. But some of them working on capitalization, and some of them just sitting on cash flows. Kalamoisk is a type who's sitting on cash flows. So he doesn't care about how capitalized market at all, what credit rating of the country, at all. he doesn't care at all. And why now he begin to push ideas of default and the default is, is okay? Because for oligarchs in Ukraine, for all of oligarchs, and especially for Mr. Kalamoisky, the biggest problem now is IMF and pressure from the West. Because the West tried to put, take Ukraine and put it to the, uh, this first billion, golden billion, etc., uh, just to implement uh, laws, uh, system, um, rule of law, first of all, rule of law. And uh, if you look at the numbers, if you, uh, it's, there is one very funny number, because people used to think that Ukraine economy just staying on the same place, and there is no real difference, and oligarchs are okay, but if you will take uh, for, fortune of the guys who was in 10th 
list of Forbes in, and uh, a, a ratio of uh, how represents this number of uh, his total wealth to the Ukrainian GDP. Uh, in 2013, you will find a number called 18%. Now it's uh, 13. So oligarchs got poor. They, uh, they have got, less uh, they not They not got poor, but they poor compared as they could be because their influence is going down because implementing of some reforms like tariffs reforms and banking system reforms take uh, some poverty from uh, power position f- from oligarchs would you say that this is one of the things that poroshenko did or or poroshenko failed to uh, combat oligarchs it was all done by imf under imf pressure poroshenko was implemented it because he doesn't ha- didn't have any choice just because you need imf money And you implement it slide by slice it, all these reforms. But I can't say that Poroshenko was uh, the guy who wanted to implement it. No, he just forced it to do it. Because, I mean, some say that he is also another oligarch, right? He is an oligarch, yes, it's true. But Kolomoisky probably is an oligarch that suffered the most during Poroshenko rule. Yes, uh, Kolomoisky suffered much more, but not from Poroshenko itself, but from IMF pressure. And due to nationalization of private banks, it was part of IMF program. And this nationalization was forced not by Poroshenko, who really doesn't care, or he care but could negotiate, you know, like all Ukrainian oligarchs, and it's much easier for them to negotiate always and to reach some agreement, but not do structural things. But you were saying in one of your articles that Ukraine now needs, of course, external investment. It, it is either the West or Russia. And when somebody like Kolomoisky, if he pressures the new president to uh, cut the cooperation with IMF, the only option is Russia. Yes, but national personal just business. Because uh, Kolomoisky need IMF to go away. And they need to West go away and, and do not care about Ukraine, do not care for romantic rule of law here and some rules in business and economy, just in social life. And Russia uh, used to pay to its satellites just for not doing reforms, like it's uh, doing in Belarus. Belarus take, get, getting a lot of money, almost 10% of budget, just do, for not doing reforms. And Russia ready to pay, ready to pay to Ukraine, and especially take into account that sanctions are cost for Russia billion of dollars and hundreds of billion of dollars for Moscow, it's much easier to pay some 10 billion per year to Ukraine than not uh, paying the cost of billions of dollars due to sanctions. So it's a good business case for Russia and a good business case for Kolomoisky. Nothing personal, just business. But Kolomoisky is an oligarch that invested so much of his personal effort to fight against Russian aggression in Dnipro and, and around. We all remember it in 2014-15. Now he's changing his mind? Uh, again, nothing personal, just business. He is not a patriotic itself. Just in his interest, in his business interest, was to protect his the territory uh, where his business is situated. So he was caring about himself, and his interest and interest of Ukrainian people was the same. Now, interest of Kolomoisk and Ukrainian people are all completely different. So now he can play this one game with Putin. Let's talk about Zelensky. Zelensky is, uh, many people were, take, were talking about his dependence on Kolomoisky, but now he's trying to distance himself from him, at least publicly, and say, for example, he said in Brussels uh, a few days ago, yesterday probably, yes, that uh, he's not interested in these games of previous owners of private bank. Do you believe him? 
Uh, first of all, it's very important he said said it because we was waiting for such statement for him for weeks or even for months. So it was very important. In first time when he publicly take an obligation to play on a side of Ukrainian people, not on the Kolomoisky. So it's important. Do I believe? I don't know. We have no story of, no credible story of Zelensky. Nobody knows what is his head. So I can't say, do I believe him or I do not believe him. Uh, and as far as we find out that he he's a good actor and he used to say to the person what the person expect to hear. When I go to IMF meeting, he will tell that I, he is from childhood staying with IMF, IMF program with what he is based on his uh, economy style. Uh, but if he will meet some pro unions or some business groups, okay, he could tell a completely different story. But it was saying publicly, first time, it's very important. Uh, but do I trust him? I don't know. But let's let's talk about this private bank store. So it was nationalized during Poroshenko rule. It's a huge asset, one of the most important banks. Now Kolomoisky wants either to get it back or to get two billion dollars, I think, for as re- refunding. Why is it dangerous? Uh, first of all, it wasn't an asset. It wasn't a passive because uh, whole in 5.5 billion dollars that was paid by Ukrainian taxpayers when private bank uh, was nationaliz- nationalized, uh, shows that it wasn't an asset. So it was a liability. A liability, idea. yes. Uh, and Kolomoisky doesn't... What, what desire of Kolomoisky? To protect his assets. Because uh, Ukrainian taxpayers pay this 5.5 billion. And now it's natural that Ukraine should take this money back from former shareholders of the bank. And now we see London court uh, uh, when uh, that froze, frozen all his assets, all assets of Kolomoisky and Bagalubov that people could find. We see the court in Delaware in US uh, uh, because uh, some money from private bank went directly to US uh, market and he bought you know, the biggest landlord in Cleveland, for instance. And then uh, it cost about $600 million dollars uh, what he owned in Cleveland. So Kolomoisky trying to protect his assets because if uh, Ukraine to continue uh, this uh, campaign, that again, campaign under IMF umbrella, uh, he will lost everything. Every asset that could be fined by FBI, by London court of... Uh, by Ukrainian courts even in the result uh, and he trying to protect it what he need to he need to stop all the judgments what to stop all the stuff you need to make uh, some problems for Ukraine government for Ukraine taxpayers and say let's pl- negotiate let's negotiate let's somehow solve this problem and to solve just guys forget just please forget about uh, story in London forget about story in US and just let's became friends again. It was his idea. Yes, uh, his appetites could grow up and maybe he do not rule out that control of private bank is a good idea, especially after taxpayers put five billion dollars in it. Uh, because usually it works like a pyramid or like vacuum cleaner that takes money from the people and sends them to the business of uh, shareholders or even just to their pockets. 
And do, do you think that uh, his major goal can be just to end this conflict between him and the government or national bank? Minimal, minimal. His desire is to end this conflict and to stay with his assets. It's minimal his desire. But why to stay on the minimum if you could reach it? You could you have a desire to maximize your profit, and that's why if you reach this minimum agreement. He could also have a desire to take control of private bank, for What instance. What would be the red line for Zelensky? Uh, and uh, when, when he crosses this red line, the IMF, the West, will not cooperate with him. Uh, decision that imp- implemented decision of Ukrainian courts that will say that nationaliz- nationalization of private bank was illegal. It's a red line, I say. It's a red line. It can lead to stopping the IMF program. Uh, stop think. any... Uh, kind of support from the West. Uh, Zelensky has this risk, economic risks, but do you see any positive aspects of his announcement of his uh, first days of presidency? Uh, you see, uh, the best what we see in Zelensky is that it's a person who can sell every reform, every even crucial reform for so Ukraine. So he talks with the people. Yeah, he well. talks with the people and uh, people from elites who represent elites can't implement reform just because Uh, society will stay opposite. But Zelensky could implement every reform that he wish. He will just explain to the people that it's okay. Uh, and it's uh, it could be a huge opportunity because for Ukraine, it's uh, everybody understands what Ukraine should do. Yeah, but just repeat what Poland did in the 90s and be happy. And uh, Poland received economical growth for 25 years. They even haven't any problems in 2009-2008. But Poland didn't have oligarchs who were resisting this reform. Yes, yes, but Zelensky it's a guy who could, who had a possibility to implement these reforms just because he has this huge rating. And huge rating gives him a chance to change this country, if he wish. We don't know, wish he or not. We don't know what is, it's, it's a major question. But if he wish, he's the best choice for Ukraine ever because he could do this Easily. Only one person, you can imagine, do all this reform, painful reform sometimes. But saying, he could say Poroshenko because almost all painful reforms already done, by the way. Tariffs increase, banking system, maybe land reform, it's uh, what not very popular in society, but it was, wouldn't be painful for people. I think all the painful reforms were even done by Yatsenyuk government. Oh, Yatsenyuk and Groisman government, because tariffs increase was uh, st- doing step by step. One of the ideas expressed by Zelensky was this referendum about the peace with Russia, which you also criticized because you're saying that basically it's a referendum that can lead to capitulation and uh, uh, how you, you said that Zelensky is trying to trade with Ukraine's sovereignty. Why do you think that? Um, because uh, you see... Uh, Only one piece that possible now it's a piece on Russian conditions because Russia wouldn't accept any other op- uh, option. Just wouldn't do. If you go into referendum and put some question on it, it means that you want to implement something, and you can implement only plan that was in the, in, proposed you from the Putin. So referendum it's only one way to implement Putin's desire. You mean this Minsk agreement? Uh, no, the... no, Minsk agreement. Uh, what Putin wants, he doesn't need Donbass. Yeah, he need to put it back to Ukraine, and with some habitat has a Trojan horse that will influence yes, Ukraine. Yes, yes, with policy. possibility to influence to the foreign policy to all other stuff that were important to stop Ukraine from moving to NATO to European Union, and 
only on this condition they could reach agreement with Putin now. It's very important to understand because Russia doesn't need just a quick resolvance. They do- doesn't care. Yeah, Ukraine care, but only one what we could do is to capitalize, uh, to capitulation. And so only one question that could be put in, in any, you know what, how uh, questions goes to a referendum. Uh, it's very important how you form this question because if you form, are you against war? Yes, everybody will say we are against war. So referendum is always manipulation. But always. if you put a question, do you do you want Donbass to have autonomy status or people say no? Yes, but you can do it in other way. You can. I will support our agreement to have a forever peace with Russia. Yes, people say yes. We need a peace. We are okay with this. So referendum is always manipulation, and only one thing that could be a result of referendum is capital. Capitulation. Only I, I would formulate this in in this way. I don't know if you agree that I mean we are repeating sovereignty and territorial integrity, but under these circumstances, we sometimes Ukraine need to uh, find a choice between sovereignty and territorial integrity because uh, bringing these territories back on Russia's terms would mean uh, the end of Ukraine's sovereignty. That's yes, what you I completely agree with you, and that's why I'm very afraid of any kind of referendums. And you know that. Uh, in uh, well-being countries, uh, institutional works. In countries with a bad ruling, referendum works. You can see example of Venezuela, for instance, when Chavez was ruining all institutions through the referendums. So far, only one result of referendum, as I see, is capitulation. No positive, only negative side. That's why when you have no upside from something, I do not see any any. Uh, plus for doing it. So we basically see the results of this Zelensky's populism. He can either destroy the institutions and then can be a very dramatic or in tragic scenario, or he can use the, his popularity to persuade people that uh, these reforms are needed. And this this can be a positive scenario. Yes, and currently <laughs> all the answers are in the head of Zelensky and we don't know it because uh, people just don't know his values. We don't know his political views. We don't know nothing. He could go to the right, he could go to the left, or he could stay now fighting with some Ukrainian politician and do nothing. Last question, maybe, uh, if you are asked, for example, by Zelensky, what are the key three or five major economic reforms that Ukraine needs to implement right now, it didn't implement in the past five years, but needs to implement now, what would you say? First of all, judicial reform. It's very important. It's the biggest problem of Ukraine. Second one is land reform. I could call it even decommunization of economy because we still have a lot of stuff that came from Soviet Union. Land is still not a commodity, right? Yeah, land, you can own land, but you can sell it. So you are not real owner of the land. And there is only six countries all over the world with no land market, and Ukraine is one of them. Third one is a reform of uh, special forces, institutions like SBU, Uh, because it's a SBU, Ukraine security Ukraine, service, Ukraine security service. service, and just all law enforcement agents, because all of them are the biggest problem of business for Ukrainian business. It's the biggest enemies. Uh, so to take away possibility of all these law enforcement agencies ca- come to business and uh, make their lives uh, critical, it's uh, very important. So it's three key pro- pro- reforms that. Everybody understands that need to be done and it could be done. It's not very uh, judicial reforms. It's very, uh, I think, uh, 
problematic and very because long, it's long ba- story. It's basically about integrity, and you need to replace many judges. It's yeah, about and do people. it in one day because you understand that the system is totally corrupt, totally. And you can't even if you put a good person on top of the very corrupt system, it wouldn't change anything. So it's I think it's three K reforms, three big reforms. You also is very important what we see in medicine and what impl- implemented under uh, Ulana Soprun. And I'm really afraid that uh, Zelensky could change it for the worst scenario. It's it's bad. Bad idea. Thank you very much, Serhii. We had Serhii Fursa, expert at Dragon Capital, leading Ukrainian group of companies in the field of investment and finances. But uh, Serhii Fursa is also a very well, well-known commentator uh, about Ukrainian economy and finances. Uh, this is Ukraine World Podcast. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. Stay with us. Mm-hmm.